You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. In a world where film studios have pillaged every young adult novel, DC'd every comic book series, and Frankenstein every silver screen monster in search of the next movie mega franchise. Two nerds. Two movies. One cinematic universe. This is Randy. And this is Jasper. We watched two movies. And they were very interesting. <laughs> so how many episodes before you just give up on this? Like you don't know what to say? At least six. <laughs> So they were interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted to say something else, but I didn't know if that was What were you going to say? Approved. And they were like soft corn, soft core porn, really. What? I'm going to bring this I'm going to bring this up. You you can get why. They were like soft core really. Yeah. Hmm. I have I think Joss Joss has got something going on. Hmm. Okay. That that's interesting and that sounds like it'll lead into a, a lot more discussion. So, <laughs> yes. Okay. This is this is a request. This was a request by Jesse from the Crawlix Podcast. Mm-hmm. Listen, you, subscribe to our feed if you don't. You'll hear him. In fact, you might hear him soon on a GCU. What? All right. So we watched. Yeah, based on Jesse's recommendation, because this is a good pairing. Like I said, I said towards the end of the last episode, this is a great pairing because one of the movies we're going to discuss is The Cabin in the Woods, and. I think Jesse's recommendation was great because you can pair Cabin in, Wood- in the Woods with almost any horror movie. It really suits itself to that. But he recommended we pair it with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie, from 1992. And that's brilliant because there's the Joss Whedon connection, and they're both kind of comedies based around horror premises. So it's not the most obvious. You know, we could have paired it with Evil Dead or... Uh, Hellraiser or something. But, so we're going to discuss Cabin in the Woods. I don't remember what year that came out. It's fairly recent, as in the last 10 years. And 1992's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And you wanted to start with Buffy? Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's some info on Buffy. <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer from 1992. Screenplay by Joss Whedon. Directed by Fran Rubel Kuzi. Kuzai. Kuzioi. Banjo and Kazooie. It stars <laughs> ban- directed by Fran Rubel, Banjo and Kazooie. <laughs> it probably is Kazooie now that you say it. <laughs> Starring Christy Swanson as Buffy, Donald Sutherland, Paul Rubens, Rutger Hauer. Is this Rutger Hauer's first appearance? I know he'll be on the show again. It might be. Luke Perry, Hilary Swank. Which was a surprise to me. I was like, what? David Arquette? Michelle Adams? No, that's the main list of cast. I can't think of who else had any kind of major role in that movie. Had Ricky Lake. It did have Ricky Lake. You're right. She played the waitress. Whoa. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't see that until after I watched it. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, where is she at? Because I'm like, I've got her talk show appearance Mm -hmm. in my head. And I went back, yeah, she's the waitress. Plot synopsis. Blonde, bouncy Buffy. So, Blonde, bouncy Buffy is your typical high school cheerleader. Her goal is to marry Christian Slater and die. And nothing gets in her way when it comes time to shop. But all that changes when a strange man informs her she's been chosen by fate to kill vampires. With the help of a romantic rebel, Buffy is soon spending school nights protecting L.A. from Lothos, the vampire king, his sidekick Lefty, and their determined gang of bloodsuckers. It's everything you'd expect from a teen queen in the valley. That's a weird overview. Jasper, had you ever seen this before? No, not this one, no. No? Mm-mm. I've watched some of the TV series. Okay. But, yeah. Would you rather talk... Standalone. Would you rather talk about the TV show? No, I'm kidding. No. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I've I actually never knew this was like it's a standalone i knew of the movie but i did not know it was like its own thing oh yeah i thought because what got me was when i first watched it, i was like wait 992 i was like was buffy in 
1992. And then I like, started thinking about it. I'm like, oh, wait, no, this is before. Mm-hmm. And it's a standalone, so. Yeah, apparently Joss Whedon was very unhappy with how the movie turned out and then ret- and kind of retooled it and pitched it as a TV series. And there was apparently some stuff he couldn't use. Like, it's not exactly the same Buffy Summers. But, yeah, I've seen this. I've seen this way back in the day, probably on TV. And I don't recall the last time I watched it. It might have even been before the TV show started. Yeah. It's been a long time. So, uh, but I had seen this before and I remembered liking it quite a bit. And to the point where when the TV show, man, this is, it's weird that I have to feel old talking about this stuff now, which means I'm getting older, oldish, old-like. It's getting old. But I remember when the TV show first started when it was announced i was like oh what they're making a tv show out of buffy this is gonna suck the movie was great um at least that's what i remember thinking then i got into the show it's a good show what are okay so what i don't know where to start with this it kicks when it kicks in you're like wow this is the early 90s that music that plays over the credits whoo it's incredible there there was times when i thought mc hammer would just come it would have been the right time period it totally would have been the right time period. Right. All right. So what did you do? Did you enjoy this? Did you hate it? What did you think of this? It was it was good for mo- most of the parts. It was kind of funny or kind of nice to see like an older movie like that where they were kind of like, I don't know what really movie nowadays I could compare it to, but they're, they're like trying to get all the new slang into the movie and all mm-hmm. that. But it was interesting to say the least. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was very 1992. Yeah. It is very much of its time. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this rewatch. I don't, it definitely doesn't stand up as well as I remembered it, but there's aspects I really like. And then there's some stuff that I don't feel works a lot. Some of the humor is okay, but a lot of it's bad. I think the humor, a lot of the humor is just real bad, especially the first, the first act, the first third or so of the movie where you're introduced to these characters and, and like Luke Perry's character, like what is what's his deal? He's not in school. He's older, I'm guessing, slightly older. He's out of school, maybe. That's what I was wondering. But he still hangs out in like the teenage kid hangout spots, and that's always weird and creepy. Creep. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of weird, right? Him and David Arquette. Yeah, I don't know. I found it enjoyable. It's hard to. I don't know. It's hard to put a finger on. I don't think a lot of it works anymore. <laughs> Just don't think it works. Yeah. The the villain, Rucker Hauer, I like Rucker Hauer, but the villain doesn't work at all. And it kind of doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense what they're trying to do with his connection to the Slayer. Like, why does he have this weird power over the Slayer? And they get that, it, like, they point out that as one point that it's kind of like a just this game that they always play. Why? If the Slayer's goal is she's chosen to kill vampires, but there's this quote-unquote king of vampires that always kills this what's the point i don't get it that's that was my thing was like where they kind of say she's not ready it's like weren't if you were a villain wouldn't you just kill her there oh yeah call it good and never never talk about it again (laughs) yeah ready for what to be because they kind of set up like you know he's trying to make her into his concubine you know but why why does it have to be the Slayer? Why is it the Slayer? If that's the job of the Slayer is to be turned into the King of Vampires concubines, then they're not really a vampire Slayer. They're, I don't know. It's weird. And there's not, it doesn't establish that there's any point to that because it, the, this vampire has done that to, it seems like all the Slayers in the past. I don't, I don't get it. Let's talk about Merrick. Is that his name? His watcher, Donald Sutherland, her watcher, I mean. Oh. I think it was Merrick. Was it Merrick or? Yeah, Merrick is the watcher. The watcher. I have some notes about this. And you and you had messaged me at one point about him being just like a creepy a, a creeper, yes. <laughs> because he does not sell this whole thing very well to her at all. Mm-mm. First off, he creeps on her in public, but then he shows up at her school while she's alone in the gym doing her gymnastics thing or whatever it is she's doing. I guess it'd be her cheerleader stuff, but she's doing like backflips and stuff. Ooh, that's another thing. It made me think of you and Highlander because there's so many unnecessary backflips. Just backflip, 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 stop, turn around and kick. Well, why did you do the backflips over there? Mm-hmm. You could just... I feel like escaping or coming near someone, I feel like backflipping takes a lot more energy and time. 
It's not very tactical. <laughs> it's not even like, and I could, I could understand if it was a backflip out of a situation, like you're in close quarters all of a sudden, oh, you just need to get out of there so you can backflip straight out. No, she just backflips into situations and then turns and kicks. This happens in the TV show a lot too, but it's, it's like that Highlander scene that had you going so much where the guy's just backflipping for no reason. And then he stops and it's like, it would have been easier and probably safer just to turn and run. Right. Or to walk over there. <laughs> I just like that kind of going back to the Highlander. That wouldn't it just be funny if that guy's like backflipping and you just stick him with a sword as he's backflipping? So he's well, like skewered back. Well, yeah, that's what I was thinking with this too. It's like that's opening you up more for attack. So he he confronts her, Merrick, Donald Sutherland, who's awesome. I like Donald Sutherland. I had kind of forgot I had forgotten he was even in this. I was like, whoa. And he kind of pitches her this whole thing of like you're chosen, right? Yeah. kill vampires out of nowhere. It's not a good pitch. And she's clearly not buying it. And he says, and he delivers it in a very creepy manner. It'll be easier if I show you. So come with me now. Like he commands her. So come with me now to the graveyard. And I'm like, you're not selling this chick on it. And if you're trying not, if you're trying to be creepy though, you're, you're succeeding. So come with me now to the graveyard. Yep. Yeah. He like, that's another thing is like, he did no lead in. We're like, you know what? I'm here. You're the Slayer. I need you to come to the graveyard with me. Can we just, can we, can we speed this movie up by 20 minutes? <laughs> His mythology is weird. His mythology is kind of strange too, because apparently he, he dies and he dies, spoilers, he dies in this movie, mm-hmm. but he, it's established that he will be resurrected or reborn, reborn yeah, like reincarnated, but he's born with the knowledge that he's the watcher and that this is his goal. And I thought that was weird. That's a weird thing. So does he like come out as a baby and is like, I'm a watcher. I need to hurry up and... Real quick, mom, I need a trench coat and a hat. I got to go save the world. <laughs> yeah. No, I got to go watch some teenage girl save the world. And by save the world, I mean get seduced and killed by the king of the vampires because that's the, their quote unquote game. Right. Uh, it's a game where no one gets achievements. <laughs> I don't remember how he convinced her to actually do it, but of course the movie would end if she didn't go. But at that point for me, the movie started to pick up a bit. The first part is real rough because you're not getting any of the cool stuff. You're just getting all the super dated, super vapid Valley girl teen stuff. And for me, none of the comedy there worked at least once Merrick comes in and starts creeping on her. That was maybe unintentionally, maybe intentionally funny to me. Mm -hmm. And also the idea that he, throws a knife at her face. I actually really like that whole scene where he shows up in the he shows up in the locker room creeping on her and throws the knife at her face and she catches it and he's like, well, that proves it, you know? Like that's his test. Yeah. And she's like, you threw a knife at my face? Like, I love that she couldn't get past that either. You threw a knife at my face. What if she wasn't the slayer? How many times has that not panned out for him? <laughs> oh, <shit>. oh <laughs> just, I'm just gonna leave now you know what i got i got the name wrong this is not her i just killed someone (laughs) the whole arquette character too Mm. arquette playing that one guy was just just weird and was that him that gets electrocuted later i think so yeah i think so it's good to watch (laughs) you don't like david arquette i do not Uh, me either man i don't (laughs) don't like him either and he was in all these 90s let me just clarify in real life i would not wish pain upon him but to watch him get shocked in a movie was kind of satisfying he okay so that he did also i found it weird that the vampires in this movie it's not like the tv show they don't get vamp face but they do get the ears they get these weird like vampire ears did you notice that yeah and later one of the random high school guys has been turned into a vampire shows up for a basketball game he's playing in the basketball game and he's clearly like a monster like he's got the crazy ears going on and he's like, floats in the air. He floats in the air. Nobody says anything. It's Buffy going after him that people were weird out about. Anyway, the David Arquette character is one of my favorite, like, that does set up one, one of my favorite moments. One of my, something that made me laugh legitimately is so David Arquette's Luke Perry's friend. He gets turned into a vampire and then he's knocking on Luke Perry's window in, in the middle of the night trying to get Luke Perry to let him in. And Luke Perry's like, I'm not going to let you in, you know, for whatever reason. He's like, it's late. <laughs> the camera bat- pans out or zooms out, whatever. And he's like, Luke Perry's in an apartment or something. So like uh, David Arquette's floating outside of his window. And he's like, you're floating. You're floating, man. Like, 
And what made me laugh is, yeah, he found it kind of odd that he was floating. Like, that was kind of part of his reason for not letting him in. Yeah, but it was like... But his mind wasn't blown by the fact that he was floating. He's just like, dude, look what you're doing. I'm not going to let you in. Instead of like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, how he are you flying? He says he's high. Like, off the ground, yes. <laughs> like, he just, he accepts that vampires are a thing and that his friend is floating outside of his windows like he, very he, easily. It was That was one of my favorite scenes, too, because I thought he was in like a house and he's just standing in the like the lawn and then it's like oh he's actually well floating. he even starts like he Which just they don't really say how they fly either why doesn't paul rubens fly later when he's chasing down maybe they can't fly very fast because they just kind of float around once in a while what did you think of luke perry in this what was he in mostly i forget i know the name uh luke perry Be- beverly hills 90210 okay that's, that, that's really what he was known for back in the day um he was like a i don't think he was ever a teen in any of that stuff he played teens, but he was like a teen heartthrob type guy. Yeah. He's in Archie now. Really? Or, no, what's that's not the name of the show. The CW Archie show, Riverdale. Mm-hmm. He plays Archie's dad, I believe. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was, it was just kind of weird. Like, <laughs> for their, they basically go from, like, making fun of the girls to, like, now he wants to be, like, her sidekick, basically. Mm-hmm. But it was just, it was just that, like you said, the whole first act was just really weird. Mm-hmm. And then I was like. It almost didn't match the second part of the movie. Mm-hmm. So he has he does he still has my favorite line of the movie, and this has been my favorite line forever, and something that pops in my head often, and I've probably said it on a couple episodes, but where she's like going on about this situation, and she's like, and there's strange, and I talked to a strange man in my living in my kitchen, and he's like, are you calling me a man? <laughs> I love that line, dude. That always stuck with me. I thought it was so funny. <laughs> Other than that, yeah, I don't know. The character's weird. His situation's weird. Most of the characters, I feel, are pretty weak, including Buffy. And this is one of Donald Sutherland's first movies, wasn't it? Or was, oh. was he way in by that Whoa. Time? No, dude. Yeah, he's been in movies for decades. At this point, he'd been in movies for decades. Hmm. I did not know that. Ooh, we need to watch more movies, Jasper. <laughs> we need to go back to some... We need to do a Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Invasion of the Body Snatchers double feature or something. Heard of that movie. Yeah, well, we're going to watch it eventually. You, what do you got? Well, I was going to give you some Buffy trivia. Buffy trivia. You know what? I love me some Buffy trivia. Okay, so with this movie, screenwriter Joss Whedon found Donald Sutherland extremely difficult to be around. Really? Uh, Sutherland rewrote most of his dialogue and scenes, often making the scenes incomprehensible in Whedon's opinion. Uh, we didn't praise Sutherland's ability as an actor, but called his behavior rude and Suther- Sutherland himself a d- Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, that's interesting. I always kind of, maybe, well, maybe Sutherland didn't enjoy the material, but. He didn't like being a creeper. He Even though he plays creeper in the Hunger Games, so. I like Sutherland. I, I mean, I don't know anything about Donald Sutherland. He seemed like a cool guy. I always assumed maybe he was a, like a cool guy, but yeah, that's interesting. Right. I didn't think. Because he seems like such a nice dude. Yeah. You know, but uh, Joss Whedon was so frustrated by how much of his vision was being mishandled and how much of it was being rewritten that he eventually left the set during production and never came back. Yeah, that's not surprising to me. I know he was very unhappy with how this movie turned out. Yeah. um, Joss Whedon's original vision of the script was eventually released in comic form known as The Origin. Oh, I didn't realize that's what that was. I'm going to have to read that. I haven't. Interesting. Best part. David Bowie, Mick Jagger, and Carrie Elvis, I don't know how to say that last name, uh, were set to make cameos as vampires, but were cut due to time and budgetary constraints. How do you cut those guys? That's what I'm saying. David Bowie and Mick Jagger? Right. Mostly. This seems like a David Bowie kind of movie. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. But yeah, that's the ones I had for that one. Interesting. It's kind of long. What's funny too is I've kind of seen a theme here with the, the this movie and the movies we've done previously, to where it never matches what they wanted. Like uh-huh. the Judge Judge Dredd in this movie, it's it's always kind of weird to actually see that like mishandling of the script, basically. Because mm-hmm. you think as an actor, you just go in there, do the part, get out. Oh yeah, the the recurring thing of actors messing with the script. Yeah, like. Like what was it on Dread that like Judge they, uh, Sylvester Stallone was wasn't even down there like for post like or the on some of the production scenes he was just like the director yeah you would think that like this is my movie you're gonna follow what I say I mean in this case Donald Sutherland's the biggest name on the movie I think I mean Christy Swanson was a name 
and Luke Car- Perry was a name at the time. Uh, but Donald Sutherland's like a big name, you know. He's a well-known actor. In 1992, which was far from his first movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's why I was kind of going off my comment earlier, like with the softcore, softcore porn thing. It was just like this movie seemed like really, really like young, dumb, blonde, sex- like sexualized, I would say. A little bit, yeah. I mean, yeah, kind of. So I know the premise of Buffy came from Joss Whedon was like, it's very much like Joss Whedon likes to do. And I mean, the next movie we'll talk about is like that entire movie is this premise, is that kind of idea. But his idea for Buffy was like, you know, he's like, you know, in movies where the, the dumb blonde always gets killed. Like, what if the dumb blonde's the hero or whatever? And that's kind of the whole premise for it. Mm-hmm. There is some weird sexual stuff in this a little bit, particularly in how, like, Buffy's boyfriend treats her and Buffy's boyfriend's friend. Definitely Buffy's boyfriend's friend treats her. And she ends up kind of putting him in his place once she becomes all slayerized. But, I mean, I don't know if I'd call it like softcore porn level. But Yeah, maybe that was a little exaggerated, but... I don't know. There's there's definitely some stuff regarding Buffy being a woman that doesn't play super well. Like the fact that she has like a, basically a spider sense is her cramps, is her PMS. And I guess I kind of get the joke of like, it's just a PMS joke. But I don't know. That doesn't really play that well, I don't think. Right. I do kind of like at one point, it doesn't, the movie doesn't get to dedicate much time to this. But they do start to set up a relation, the relationship between... Merrick and Buffy and I feel like there's one scene that is that that where they start to like seem like um, they're friends and they the problem is that gets cut short because then they kill Merrick and it that whole that one scene was just to establish some type of emotional like connection to kill the character and then kill the character you know right but I like that I think that scene's effective I think that starts to work where she kind of actually gets them to like you know they have a little character exposition drop and then uh, some humor moments where she gets him to like smile and stuff like that. But I thought that worked. It's just, it was short lived and only there to manipulate you when they kill Merrick. So that's disappointing. Right. The the relationship between Buffy and Luke Perry, I don't care. Like it's so surface level. Like it's, that's why Luke Perry's in the movie to have this relation to, to, to be the love interest. Uh, I guess the one, the good thing about, about Buffy is that in terms of sexism is that it subverts some of that stuff where Luke Perry, the guy is the love interest. And that's really the only reason he's in the movie. He's not there to save Buffy, although it seems like he does at some point, but she saves him several times. Problem is then they call out to the fact that she saves him several times. I did kind of like the line towards the end about where they're dancing and he, well, I guess I don't like that. He says the line first, but, he says something about, I suppose you want to lead. And she said something like, well, not really, do you? And he's like, no. And they're like, okay, good. Neither of them are like, it's it's kind of okay. establishing mm-hmm. that need, neither of them are taking like a dominant role in the relationship, which is kind of interesting. Right. But. Yeah, it was very, it wasn't very in-depth relationship. It was just kind of like. Which, I mean. Let's go mess things up. <laughs> it's a comedy. Like, it's a, it's a, it's supposed to be a light, fun ridiculous comedy about a cheerleader who's a, who's a vampire killer. Like, so you can't expect a lot of depth, you know, but whatever it, it serves, it does what it's intends to do. I think for the most part, mm-hmm. uh, the, the jokes, the jokes are lame, like I said, but otherwise it serves its purpose. It's all right. It's okay. The, again, Ruck, I like Rucker Hauer. The vampire character sucks. Paul That's Rubin, not a student. There's some, Oh, I'll hold off on that for a second. There will be SJW corner on this episode too. Oh, really? There's some weird. You mentioned about the sexualization of. Okay, I'll address it now. The sexualization of whatever. Did you watch the end credits scene? No. During the credits, the, there's like news footage of the aftermath of the the dance, and oh, you where you where you gave everybody a detention being dead no he did okay that was so stupid but that was actually kind of funny for the most part though i did not none of the principal stuff landed for me none of it worked i thought that stuff was so dumb except he was giving them the dead students detention slips that was kind of funny but no there's okay so it's after that he's on the news the principal and then it's cutting to like news clips of 
other students and stuff. And there's this joke that does not land well about the chick. I think it was one of Buffy's old friends. The chick who went out to a car, to the car with, I think, Buffy's boyfriend, ex-boyfriend. And at one point we see during the movie that, like, they're fooling around in the car or something. It's kind of a throwaway little thing that a vampire or somebody runs by them. But in the news clip, like, they're talking about, like, they missed everything. They're in the car. And then, like, she busts out in tears. I can't believe you made me do that or something and runs off. And I'm like... Yeah, that sexual assault joke does not land very well because that's what it is. I was like, ooh, that oh, that's uncomfortable. And I don't know not if that was that. dude, I don't know if that was funny then or not, but you also didn't stick around then for the end credit scene where Paul Rubens is still not dead and he's still like dying in the hallway <laughs> after he gets staked. I'll have to go back and watch it. That part I remember being like the highlight to me when I was younger. Paul Rubens just taking forever to die. It doesn't really hold up, though. It's too goofy. I got not much else to say. Well, guess what? What? Star rating. Star rating. You go first, my friend. I'm torn on this one because it was entertaining, but I feel like two is just like right where it should be. Two. Two stars. I feel like two is where it should be? Yeah. Okay. Just because, like I said, it was the first part of the movie kind of killed the rest of the movie for me. I kind of got disinterested. Well, with what's going on, then as later part, I like kind of got sucked back in. But yeah, it just it was just kind of a weird movie for me. Okay. But yeah, two two out of five. Okay. I too was a little torn about what to rate this, and I feel like maybe given our discussion, my rating might seem a little high. But I'm gonna go three stars, which is not super high. Yeah. But uh, I'm gonna go three stars because it's enjoyable. It's got enjoyable moments. It's still got great ideas. Like the Buffy thing, it's silly, but it it works. And seeing what becomes of it later, it has the potential to work very well. I like Donald Sutherland. I don't know if it's intentional, but I like how creepy he is. It that's uh, uh, with this rewatch, this recent rewatch, that was one of the funniest aspects of it to me is just how badly he comes across to this teenage character. Especially doesn't help with his, like, his, the way he looks, mm-hmm. like his eye set is just, like, just very intense. Intense, yeah. You know, and, dude, the Buffy outfit, like, the the final Buffy outfit with the leather jacket and the, the dress, the, the dance, the prom, I don't think it's prom, it's just a dance, right? But, like, the prom dress type thing and just awesome. They revisit that in the TV series and I think the season one finale. Her riding around on a, on a motorcycle is pretty awesome. Her riding around on a motorcycle is awesome, and then Luke Perry hopping on his little uh, dirt bike after her, not awesome. Not awesome. It does kind of go to lengths to emasculate him a bit, which is fine. I think it kind of works. Mm-hmm. So, enjoyable. Definitely some nostalgia value for me, because I remember watching this back in the day, back in the 90s. If Maybe not 92, but it was on TV a bunch. And uh, But it's not great. It doesn't hold up the best. So three stars seems, I guess three stars seems appropriate for me. I liked it. Okay. From the vapid streets of LA and the Valley in 1992 to the, where was this? Where did the cabin take place? To the woods of somewhere. I want to say Virginia. (laughs) To the cabin in the woods. Uh, Cabin in the woods. Tell us about, tell us all about this, Jasper. Okay. Cabin in the woods is a 2012 movie. Uh, plot is five friends go for a break at a remote cabin where they get more than they bargain for discovering the truth behind the cabin in the woods. Uh, it is directed by Drew Goddard. Mm-hmm. Uh, writers are Joss Whedon and Drew mm-hmm. stars. I'm going to say it's Kristen or Kirsten. Oh, I think it's Kristen. Kristen Connolly, Chris Hemsworth. Who's and- that? Do you know him? Sorry. Go ahead. I'm, d- I'm not going to make one this one time. Dude, this is this. Oh, of all episodes, Jasper, this has the most connections to the MCU. <laughs> you made, what did we talk about last episode? What, whatever. We have a counter now. We have a counter. We talked about movies that had nothing to do with the MCU, Big Trouble in Little China, and and The Thing, and we still mentioned Marvel Cinematic Universe. And this episode where we have frickin' Thor himself and God <laughs> Joss Whedon... You're not going to mention MCU because that's exactly why you're going <laughs> to. All right. No, I will probably. Uh, who's in this movie again? You don't have to start at the beginning. 
uh, Anna Hutchinson. Okay. <laughs> I'm defeated now. <laughs> uh, Fran Francons, who plays Marty, Jesse Williams, and Richard Jenkins, which I know him from quite a bit in movies. Okay. So, uh, what do you think? What is, what's your? I want to hear your take. Oh, you? Oh, oh, I, I like it. Movie. Okay. I love this movie. I think this is great. Me and Melanie went to, or Melanie, Melanie and I, whatever. We went and seen this in the theaters. I mean, this is, I'm a horror movie fan, and this is for horror movie fans. Not to say somebody else can't get enjoyment out of it, but like, it's, it's at the same, it's, it's simultaneously a love letter to the horror movie genre, and also like an ultimatum. Just like, we, we know all the tricks, get, get over it. But at the same time, like, we know all the tricks, check this out. Let's throw them all together. Mm-hmm. And it's very much a Joss Whedon style. I know Drew Goddard co-wrote this and directed it, who, who's worked with Joss Whedon a lot on stuff. But uh, it's very much a Joss Whedon concept where Buffy was, you know, you know, the, you know the dumb blonde that always gets killed in horror movies? What if she's the hero? And this is like, well, you know the whole like, Every horror movie where they've the teen the group of teens trope where you've got the dumb blonde and you've got the the jock and then the smart kid and the virgin and all this. Well, what if it's it's one of those and uh, some of the humor in it? It's not as intent. I mean, it's obviously is a comedy, but it's it it's not an outright comedy if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like it is, but it isn't. And for me, some a lot of the comedy worked fine. The comedy that was there, uh, pretty much any time it goes to the underground, I don't know what you would call them, the, the, the Richard Jenkins and the other guy, and like anytime it goes to them, a lot of that's for comedy. And uh, the stoner comedy aspect kind of works and kind of doesn't. Like a lot of it's kind of lame, but I think, I don't think it's supposed to be anything but lame. Mm-hmm. But there are some parts with the stoner guy that I think are pretty funny. Like when he's wigging out about the pulling the strings because he keeps hearing a voice. You know, especially the part where it's like, yeah, you want to take a walk? You want to go for a walk? And he's like, nobody's pulling my strings. And he starts wigging out and he's like, I'm going for a walk. <laughs> like that, that made me laugh. The horror stuff, I mean, it's an homage to horror, horror movies in general. And I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. So I like it. What do you think? I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, cheesy, but in the right, the right areas. I mean, I think definitely intentionally cheesy anytime it is cheesy. Yeah, intentionally cheesy, but like it wasn't like overdone. It wasn't like, mm-hmm. you know, put a whole th- brick of Velveeta and mac and cheese and that kind of cheese. <laughs> okay. Like, <laughs> you know. It was a sprinkle of cheese. Yeah, it was just like, it was like a sprinkle. It wasn't cheese just layer. like, bam, you know. Mm-hmm. But what was funny is I'd get so tense during this movie, like, because I thought it was going to be a scary, like, scary horror movie. But then there's just those parts where you just like bust out laughing. Uh-huh. Which I felt bad for a couple of times. A.E. Chris Hemsworth hitting a force field. Oh, <laughs> um, like, yeah. But. Oh, how do you, okay. How do you feel about that? Because I almost wish they hadn't. Did you catch it the, when the bird flew into it? Yeah, I did. I almost wish they hadn't have put that in there mm-hmm. so that you didn't know there was a force. The viewer doesn't know. I almost feel like that would have been more effective, but sorry i kind of forgot about it too because i'm like is he gonna make this jump and then just wham out of nowhere just and then like his head's hitting the wall as he goes down it's like ding, ding, over ding, and ding, over ding. and over all the way down yep oh my god now that you know i just this clicked in my head i cannot wait for the universe here anyway oh are you are you, are things falling into place yes, for you yeah sweet so i was kind of wondering what the whole premise was by the time they got to the gas station the mm-hmm. first part of the movie and then that whole speakerphone incident where he's like... With the har- harbinger? Teach them that everything is not... Yeah. And then he's like, am I on speakerphone? <laughs> like, and they're trying not to laugh at him. Mm-hmm. But then it kind of set up like, okay, so it is kind of a comedy, but you know, I'm still tensed up waiting for the, the jump scare. You know, It's a comedy, but there's also stakes for the characters. It's still a horror movie in that respect to where the, they're actually killing characters off. But there's also a lot of humor because it's all ridiculous. This one was more entertaining to me than Buffy because mm-hmm. it was just, I think too, that I kind of went in there thinking Chris Hemsworth was going to play like the jock, but he's kind of like the jock, but also like a scholar, you know, like he knows what he's doing. He's like, stop reading these books, read those books or, you know. In that, in that respect, it's kind of like, yeah, there's a lot of, okay, first off, I don't buy, they're all pretty brainy. 
especially Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know that I didn't. Yeah. Like it's a, a person can be like built and good looking and super smart. I still don't know if I bought him as like being that brainy, but that sets up the, like, you think he's going to be a jock. Oh no, he's really super smart. But then they're like, turn him into the jock. Yeah. I didn't mind the leaps in logic it made. Like the, uh, one of the most obvious is cause I, I kind of get, you know, that it'll put, you know, pheromones or whatever in the fog to horn them up and all that. But like they gas him and it makes him change his mind from like sticking together to splitting up. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a reach. It's definitely kind of a reach, but I don't mind because it's, you know, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. So you're not, I guess, guess I shouldn't tell you what you are or not, but you're not a huge, you're not a big horror fan. I have never really like went out of my way to watch it. I will watch a, I will watch a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's never been like my genre, but being friends with Bill, mm-hmm. my, our buddy Billy, I've watched some, although usually they're the more. Was that boobies and boobies and blood? Oh yeah, yeah. So it just kind of I'm like you know, it's not really my thing, but I like horror movies to a point. I will not watch Human Centipede ever again. <laughs> that was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, I just don't like over the top horror, like kind of like Centipede was, and like kind of like just grotesque. Like, I mean, that's a pretty extreme of a yeah, certain kind like, of horror. I get like a what was it? Um, Jason mm-hmm. with like a machete in the back and blood squirting everywhere, but just like overdoing like just like i think i've watched <laughs> going back to centipede i think i watched a whole scene from human centipede two or three mm-hmm. and i was like i don't even know how people could watch this movie <laughs> i haven't seen two or three actually i'm not really yeah i did see the first one it was okay but it's it's just gross out and no i see what you're saying because there's different levels of gross out you can have a gore flick that's not necessarily because Human Centipede, at least the first one, I know the other ones get into gory stuff, isn't that gory? Yeah, it's just a like saw. A, it's just a deviant. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't Saw's know. over too over the top for me. There's like a weird sad. There's like a level of sadisticness to certain movies where a lot of slasher movies, even though like it's kind of sadistic, most part it's like gross but fun, over the top gore. But then you'll get into stuff like the Saw movies. Or, or human centipede, or whatever, where it's not, it's just, it's just gross over the top gore with there's no fun to it. It's just sadistic. It's just trying to like horrify you in that certain way. Yeah. And at least most slasher movies to me have an element of fun to it. Okay. So, yeah, I was wondering how this would strike you as not, you as not like particularly a horror movie fan, um, because there's a lot of references, but also like just the premise is very much about horror movies so yeah i was kind of interested to hear to see how how it you know how it struck you yeah i feel like there's a question there but i'm not sure how to phrase it (laughs) there's a lot of references to other stuff that i'm curious did you catch the pinhead hellraiser guy are you very familiar with hellraiser at all not really no okay so there's probably several things that um you didn't catch the cabin the outside of the cabin is almost almost dead on the evil dead cabin when they get into the little elevator that goes down into the boxes, the box area, there's, you know, there's a lot of monsters that are like other monsters, you know, movie monsters. The guy with the, like the buzz saw blades in his head is ob- with the little sphere that he's turning is obviously a Hellraiser pinhead mm-hmm. analog. There's just a lot of stuff like that. That's what I was kind of thinking with the, the like the kids dancing around the, the ghost. Was that supposed to be, um, not the ringer, the ringer. The ring? The ring. Yeah, I think so. I think there's the, there's a ring thing going on in there. Um, there's like a str- the strangers type thing going on in there, which I thought was a weird choice because I didn't think the strangers was that level of, I don't know, I don't think them as a horror movie quote unquote monster or villain was, but you know, whatever. It's nice and odd. Yeah. Um, a lot of them are like, well, like the, what do they call the hillbilly torture zombies or whatever Mm -hmm. like that's a i mean that's a nod to just a lot of things that's a common kind of trope um what's that the hills have eyes yeah like that but undead yeah that's i thought it was a weird weapon too that the one guy had it was like a bear trap but on a chain it's kind of interesting you throw Mm -hmm. it at people and snag their back which seemed horrible also i don't buy that the stoner lived right you know what i mean because 
he got that thing put to him. I think he got stabbed at least. What's funny is I don't think you ever see blood on his back too when he's later Mm-mm. because he got he got hit right in the back. He got messed up. He should have been way worse. I do like though that he apparently dis- dismembered the zombie in there. Yeah. And later he's they like, yeah, uh, I took him out with a tra- with, with a, a trowel. trowel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, his delivery's kind of fun on some of that stuff. The Truman Show, but a horror film. Like, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, d- yeah, it definitely is. I guess we'll just, we'll go ahead and talk about the end. I love, by the way, they kick it off so good. As they get down in the little area mm-hmm. and basically are like, screw these people. And there's that moment where she's like, should I hit the button? And she's like, let's get this party started and hits the button. I love that because then you, and you mentioned the, the elevator scene where the elevator doors all open. You've seen that yeah. clip. And memes everywhere. Yeah. Carnage for a while, including why a unicorn right stabs the guy in the gut. Like, I, why? And then the music right there changed. It was like, like it was very like uh-huh. whimsical. It gets, like, it gets goofy. The movie gets goofy. The, I think the merman payoff is kind of humorous, but like that on that running gag of the guy wants to really wants to see the merman. Like, it's predictable, but whatever. It's still fun. It's like all the horror movies grant jam together and like here. Which is another thing I always found out was weird is that none of the other, like the horror or the monsters attack each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a good point. Yeah, like a brotherhood going on or something. Mm-hmm. It's like they all know they're monsters and they're there to kill humans. Mm-hmm. But I got some tribute for this one. Oh, do you? Yeah. So one of the first ones was uh, when Jules kisses the wolf in the cabin. Which is so gross. Yeah. She kisses the wolf head on the wall. The wolf's tongue is covered in powdered sugar to give it a dusty look and to make the scene tolerable for Anna Hutchinson. The thermal coffee mug bong mm-hmm. was a fully functional mug and bong as portrayed in the film, the prototype of which cost 5000 to make. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. That's what I was like. What? Like, we're going to make a bong mug. We need 5000 <laughs> Like, Wow. Uh, Joss Whedon and Drew wrote the script in three days. And I thought this was weird that it was pointed out in the movie, too. The car that Marty is driving is the same car that director Drew Goddard drove in high school. Goddard also had a strange habit of locking the doors without rolling up the window. Oh, the he didn't roll up the windows thing? Yeah. I did notice that, too, this rewatch. I was like, you're leaving town for days and you're not going to roll up your windows? Right, and then the merman payoff that we were talking about. The blood spewing out of the merman's blowhole was a very late idea that made it into the film. The director jokes that the blood shot out for nine minutes, but only the last ten seconds of the shot were actually used. Wow. Yeah. The song playing at the office celebration party is Roll With The Changes by Ario Speedwagon. As the big screen in the background shows the last one being slowly killed, the lyrics sing, If You're Tired of the Same Old Story. Interesting. Yeah. Which I wanted to point that out with, with that was... <laughs> They're all celebrating. She's just getting her ass kicked in the back. I know. I know. I know. Like, he's got the chain around her neck. Like, it just, I was like, what is going on? Like, I, cause then I was like, is she actually going to die? Like, they, you know, there wasn't one part I was going to ask you if you knew. I couldn't hear just, I don't know if it's audio on my TV or whatever. But when he, the red phone starts ringing, what did they say on the phone? You don't, you can't hear them. Like, okay. You can't hear the other person on the phone. But I mean, who I think is Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, what what does he say though? I couldn't hear. Oh no, he says everyone's um, everyone else is dead or something, and then he says, "No, I'm not questioning you." And he says, "Who?" And it's telling him like she's not the last. You know, basically whoever is on the other lines, like not a, they're not all dead. Like she's not the last one. There's somebody else. Yeah, which turns out to be the stoner guy. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't know that was Sigourney Weaver until I really looked at her. I was like, "Oh, that's really? who that is." I didn't know. This movie was like the first time I noticed the whole like sudden surprise cameo of Sigourney Weaver in a movie where she plays a a hard ass villain that you're not supposed to know about, and when she comes on screen, you're supposed to be like, "Oh, that's Sigourney Weaver." And mm-hmm. when I seen this movie, I was like, "Whoa, that's Sigourney Weaver." But since this movie, she's done so many of those that exact role where it's the surprise cameo by Sigourney Weaver that you're not supposed to know she wasn't even in this movie, right? To where. I talked about it on Grolix not long ago when we discussed the Defenders uh, miniseries on Netflix. I'm kind of done with that role for her. Like, do something else. But this is the first time I noticed her in that role. And, yeah, no, it's it's fun. It's fun that it's her that pops up. 
what did you think of the end? The end of the movie. It was very basic- Cloverfield for me. Like the okay. whole like just end it. I'm like that. So, so what happens though? <laughs> like that's just the end of the world. I legitimately thought though when she got bit by the werewolf, it was gonna be a werewolf with like piece of the wall. Piece of the wall. Because she the they kissed the wolf head in the cabin. <laughs> I thought I thought that was the same. You have some weird things that go through your brain, man. I thought it was gonna be one from there. Okay. Well, that tune they're like floating it out like. It looked like it wasn't like part of the wall or, or the part like he was walking or something. Weird. But yeah. Okay. Had a very uh the thing ending where they're just kind of both sitting there talking. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love the end. It, a little bit like the thing. I mean, no, that's the scenario is where it's just like they're both sitting there talking. Yeah, they're probably going to die. Except here, you know they die because mm-hmm. that whole place collapses when that huge arm comes through. But I like it. I like that like it's got a kind of a downer ending. Where our main, no, none of our main characters survive, and it's actually the end of the world. <laughs> like, humanity loses. Right. But at the same time, it's like a pump you up ending because they're basically just like, screw it. And they just sit there, smoke the joint until like a huge ancient one demon arm comes through and reaches out into the sky. And I love that ending. I was like, what? Right. Yeah. I can't believe they just ended it like that. It's great. Yeah. It was it was it was weird, but I was like intrigued. I was like, "Is there like a cabin in the woods too?" There's not. I mean, I don't think this movie did exceptionally well in the theaters. Speaking of Chris Hemsworth, I don't think he was happy that this movie got released, which is a weird thing to say. But I want to say they shot this movie years before, like it was shot quite a while before it actually got released. Yeah, which happens with movies sometimes. They get held up for whatever reason. And when they shot this, I don't think he had done Thor yet. And I could be 100% off on this. I could be wrong. But I don't think they had done Thor yet. So he wasn't really a big name. And then this got released after he was Thor. And I want to say there was some type of... There was some news story I recall about him and maybe some other, some other actor in the movie being upset that the movie came out. I don't know. That just seems like a weird thing. Why would you be upset? Like, you agreed to do the movie in the first place. You did the movie. They're, they, they're not doing anything. They're not cheating you. They're releasing the movie. It's just took a while. But I think maybe they were upset because they got paid like not big star wage to do the movie. And then it comes out after they're big star. But you, how, how you can't make that argument. That's not valid. Right. But yeah, I don't know. I, I love this movie. I think it's great. And I think the direction was all right. I think it was good, but it's not, it wasn't mind blowing. Some of it still kind of had, um, I mean, the horror stuff looked fine, looked good. But some of it still had kind of that, especially when it went to the little the institution or whatever down below. It had that flat, bright comedy lighting and stuff that you know not not mind blowing direction. So with that said, what's your star rating on this rewatch? Which this is, mm, to be honest, I could actually look up on my Letterboxed. Which listener, if you're a movie fan and you're not on Letterboxd, you should get on there. It's awesome. Look me up. Since I mentioned it, I'll maybe include a link in the show notes. But I could actually probably look up on Letterboxd because I log it every time I watch it and tell you exactly how many times I've watched it. But I've probably seen this movie four or five times now. And this rewatch, I was tempted to rate it higher. But I'm going to go ahead and stick with what I previously rated it, which is four stars. Good movie. Good movie. I think I'd agree with four stars. Holy crap, really? Yeah. Not only... I think, is this the first time we had the same star rating on a movie? You know what? I I think I'm wrong. I was going to say, I think this is the first time we've had the same star rating on a movie, but also might be your highest rated movie, but I don't don't think that's right. I think you've given other movies four stars on here. Still, it's one of the highest rated movies you've... Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. Good. I'm I'm a little surprised. Like, I know it's... Like, I think it's a good movie. And even you not being a horror fan, I figured you'd get enjoyment out of it. Because it is. it is. It's just, well, you don't have to be a horror fan to recognize a lot of the things that it references. But also to get the humor. Yeah. Um, but still, I'm glad you enjoyed it that much. It was good. Four stars. Four. Jasper. The movie studios know, despite some recent controversy, Joss Whedon's name will bring in a crowd. They also think... Maybe horror is making a comeback, but they don't want to commit to something really horror. Maybe some type of comedy horror. So they're going to pick up some previous Joss Whedon properties. How could the movie studio use Buffy the Vampire Slayer and the Cabin in the Woods in a shared cinematic universe? I struggled a little bit with that one, but 
So do you have a pitch ready? I think I do. Okay. Yeah, I, I could see the uh, like gears turning in your let head me, as we were doing my... these. I also want to say Fred. Fred was in Cabin in the Woods from, um, from Angel. And also the annoying kid from the later seasons of Buffy. He was in, the, in Cabin in the Woods too. So I don't really have a tie-in mostly into Buffy. It's going to be mostly Cabin in the Woods. So you just need to bring them together. It's all right. I'll make you happy because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retract my statement in the previous 40 minutes of this podcast. Okay. This is going total MCU here. Okay. okay. I knew you were going to mention it. I knew you couldn't help it. Well, once you said, for some reason, I didn't put together like Joss Whedon and Chris Hemsworth. Mm-hmm. But once you said it, I can't, now I can't get over it. Mm-hmm. So the cabin and the people working at that, uh, the command center. Which is it? Is that under the cabin? Yeah, I think it's under because they take like an elevator down to get there. So it's the cabin. That cabin is ran by none other than Hydra. Okay. Oh, whoa. Okay. okay. Yo, yo, wow. You're bringing in other universe. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but okay. Okay. So what we find out is okay. So I just had to say this out already. The Sigourney Weaver's character mm-hmm. is Buffy, but older. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I so, did not see that coming. Okay. Yeah. Buffy knows the evil because she's, of course, fought it all of her life, but she knows the evil that sits under this cabin. Mm-hmm. Basically, they need, of course, the blood to appease this this god or demon that's held back by some weird magical cloud of whatever that is under mm-hmm. that whole stage. So basically, Chris Hemsworth is going to be Thor. He doesn't die in the, the magical wall and the bike thing where he knocks his head down like three times, but... <laughs> Hydra is trying to put to like basically say that he can save the world by keeping this demon under, you know, trying to look better than Shield here. Okay. Chris Hemsworth gets in knowing that he'll be selected. They don't know he's Thor yet, whatever. He gets selected. He doesn't die. The demon under there, I think I forgot his name, but from Ragnarok. Oh. Sutor? Sutor? I don't recall. I know what you're talking about. But he's the one under the cabin. Okay. Okay. So. So basically, it's it's Buffy trying to save the world through the help of Thor, and there you go. Hmm. Okay, you brought in the MCU. You actually brought in the MCU. Mm-hmm. That seems like a cheat, but if you're gonna bring on outside of universes, Ooh, okay. All right. So here's what hey, Cabin in the Woods. Mm-hmm. It happens like the movie does. Ends like the movie does. Big arm busts through. Then. Some chick in a leather jacket and a ripped up dress pulls up on a pulls up on a hog, grabbing her gut. Go, no wonder my cramps are so bad. <laughs> Just then, as this giant monster thing is 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 pulling itself out of the ground or whatever it is, some the fabric of reality itself starts to get wonky and starts to get stressed because obviously, I mean something like that's going to happen. The ancient ones are coming back to reclaim the earth. Mm-hmm. Well, then some type of dimensional rift opens up and another blonde chick jumps through and eyeballs the first blonde chick. It's like, who are you? Like, I'm Buffy, the vampire slayer. And the other chick's like, I'm Buffy, the vampire slayer. And then the first Buffy is like, you, you look like Sarah Michelle Geller. I don't know who that is. But, <laughs> <laughs> But the ancient prophecy says says that Winifred is not dead. She's down in that initiative lab. It's the, that lab in charge of keeping the ancient ones. It's called the initiative. She's down there working with them in a lab coat. I seen her in the prophecy. Okay, the prophecy thing is a little bit of a stretch. So they go down and they find there's a there's a scientist lady. In a in a lab coat, battling a tentacled creature. That's Fred. She was in Cabin in the Woods. It's Fred from Angel. They save Fred. Fred's not dead. They bring her back, and then the two Buffies and Fred. Wow, we are pulling in everybody here. And of course, Willow and Xander have to jump through because uh, that's how they got through Willow's crazy magic. We don't know where Luke Perry is. <laughs> well, last, last, last we heard him and him and him and Christy Swanson Buffy split up, and he went and moved to some place called Riverdale and had some kid named Archie, some redheaded, <laughs> some redheaded little. B- 
bastard named Archie. (laughs) (laughs) And so the two Buffy's from alternate realities have to team up and figure out how how to reverse this this issue to send the ancient ones back. Because listen, this isn't Buffy's first end of the world, even if it's not her original world. I'm talking about the other Buffy. (laughs) (laughs) So there's two Buffy's. There's two Buffy's. One angel. I didn't bring Angel into this. We're saving characters from Angel. Okay. Angel's back. Angel ain't coming over. He, he can stay wherever <laughs> they he didn't is. Pay him enough. Dude's a jerk. <laughs> Dude's a jerk. But Wesley can come around. Wesley's there too. You know what's funny is I know these characters. I don't know the story, but I do know the characters. Do you really? Yeah. That's right. Though, if you get to bring in MCU, which is a <laughs> little bigger stretch, I get to bring in. The Buffy television universe. I think Joss Whedon would have cried a little bit. For a couple of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, all I know for sure is that a Buffy on a motorcycle, probably Christy Swanson Buffy, since we've seen her driving a motorcycle, is going to take that motorcycle and drive up that big creature's arm, the ancient one's arm, because that is an awesome image. Oh, my God. And if we're talking modern day Joss Whedon properties, he can easily handle something like that. She drives up his arm, backflips off the motorcycle, kicks a stake right into his heart, kills the monster, goes right back down the hole. And at one point, at one point, they end up in the little in a gulch in the area, and they come across this 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 corpse of a of some guy who looked like he I don't know he might have been smart he might have been a jock but some kind of beefy guy. And then for a moment, you hear <coughs> you hear I come from the land of the ice and snow. But then that's it, and they can continue on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so is this our most disjointed cinematic universe attempt? Especially, like, even following last episode's uh, monster replacing Jack Burton. (laughs) (laughs) That was awesome, though. It was awesome. Um I almost did. What was funny, too, is going back to that, when he did the motorcycle jump, I did hear that in my head. Dun, dun. dun, dun. Oh, bam. I know. I want that now. Some, God, that's got to be a clip. Oh, man. I have to put, maybe I'll throw that up on. No, it has to I, be when he hits the wall, the song follows him down the hall. It, it, it gets quieter and quieter. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that. <laughs> oh, man. That's good. I'm going to make that happen. Oh, my God. <laughs> Whoo! That sounded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I do really. I kind of want this. Okay, no. Like, if if to get serious though, like before I decided to get ridiculous and sidetrack the whole thing with a Buffy television characters. I like that. That was awesome. My general idea is there's here's the whole thing. There's a post credit scene for Cabin in the Woods. Arm comes out. Credits. After the credits, comes back, and we get, how about a somewhat grizzled, just because it's been many years since 1992, a somewhat grizzled Christy Swanson in a leather jacket pulling up on a motorcycle outside the cabin as this arm's coming out. Boom. Set up. I'd watch it. I'd watch it. Luke Perry's still off in some place called Riverdale. <laughs> Riverdale. I've never watched that, actually. I The the setting up this, I, I've only caught a couple episodes, um, two maybe. Like, I really want to get in the show, but I can't. I can't. Really, I don't know what this Ancient Ones, I don't know what those entail enough to say, here's a plot for the next movie. But I know, like, it it just seemed pretty obvious to me to set up Cabin in the Woods happens, and then Buffy shows up to battle the evil. Um, The TV Buffy is more used to big evils, though, like this. Like, movie Buffy, we don't get. We don't get, like, she just fights some vampires, but the, we don't get any more time with her to, like, explore the idea of, like, well, what is that Buffy universe's deal? Like, are there demons? Yeah. Because the end of the, cap, because Cabin in the Woods is right in line with the Buffy TV show. Like, it could easily be in the Buffy TV show universe and totally make sense. Be like, well, sure, that sounds like a season arc of Buffy, but except in Buffy, they usually stop it. So I must have to feel like in yours too, you'd have to somehow work in the two guys from Supernatural. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not super familiar with Supernatural. I'm not supernaturally familiar with Supernatural. Uh, that was bad. Got him. <laughs> that was bad. So I don't know. I couldn't say. Well, that's it. I guess that's what we got. 
That's what we have for today. I'm I'm not sure how I feel about these about the our cinematic universes. They're they're a little out there, I think, on this episode. Yeah, like I feel like the 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 skeleton of it was there, but we didn't we didn't get it. Mm-mm. We'll hire Joss Whedon. No, we won't hire Joss Whedon. We will hire Zack Snyder and the guy that works with Christopher Nolan to write and direct it. Then we'll fire them both. Bring on Joss Whedon to rewrite it and direct the. Or if the monster gets out, Michael Bay. Additional shots. Michael Bay as a creative consultant, maybe executive producer. J.J. Abrams. And then we'll just tank the whole universe before it starts. <laughs> Boom! It just, Boom! Nothing ever happened. Nope. <laughs> How about we put Joss Whedon, J.J. Abrams, Michael Bay in a cabin in the woods, and we'll film that. <laughs> wow. With cocaine. Yeah. I don't know if they do cocaine. Every room that J.J. Abrams goes into, automatic lens flare. But one to three of them do cocaine. So <laughs> no food, just cocaine. Those three cameras, see how long they last. I I picked Michael Bay for some reason. I think so. I think so, too. Michael Bay, Joss Whedon, J.J. Abrams, and just for a twist, M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> just for a twist. Oh, yeah. Then my money would be on Shyamalan. That would be an insufferable show. I would not watch it. All around. <laughs> insufferable. <laughs> I would not watch it. I still like the idea of whatever room J.J. Abrams would go into. There's or just a lens, lens flare. Automatically just follows him around. Whatever room Michael Bay goes into, immediately explodes. <laughs> <laughs> he would not last long, though. Mm-hmm. Or does he survive? He just always has to run through in slow motion as things blow up around him. <laughs> no, he, he almost gets killed, and then Optimus Prime comes through, grabs him. So what happens when Joss Whedon walks into a room? Hawkeye is a bouncy there. blonde shows up, <laughs> backflips and kicks a stake into his heart, probably. Joss Whedon, just random thoughts on Joss Whedon. His writing can be a little cutesy, though. Like, the whole the Joss Whedon thing, it, at times it can strike me wrong and be a bit much. Mm-hmm. That extends to the, that includes the show, that includes Buffy TV show, series, that includes, you know, some of his superhero stuff. Like, occasionally, like, it's just like, okay, a little too Whedon. Like Whedon and like Whedonception, just back off a little bit. That's a little cutesy. Take that Whedon dial, knock it down a couple. Knock it down a peg. For the most part, though, I like it. I like I like his stuff. I like his style, and he has definitely. He's got a certain sense of humor. For example, he likes long game jokes, like in Avengers Two, the whole Hawkeye thing. That whole Hawkeye backstory was setting up the audience to think he's about to die, just so they could do that little reversal and make a gag out of it at the end. Right. And they, he did a similar thing in justice league where this whole thing with this little family off to the side where the movie guts to this family for no reason in where is that place? Wherever the final justice league conflict goes down, but it keeps cutting to this family throughout the whole movie for like no reason. And then at the end, the flash saves the family. That whole thing is just to set up the joke that the flash saves this family and then looks over and Superman's flying a building out. Like, that is such a Whedon thing to dedicate all this time, this whole, like, extra scene in a movie, just to set up this one simple throwaway gag. And it's just like, that's such a Joss Whedon thing to do. Jesus. He's kind of a conceptual comedy guy. It's like Buffy, the whole concept of Buffy or Cabin in the Woods. The concept itself is a joke. It's like a, it's a pun, or not a pun, it's a, it's a punchline, it's a throw. it's a gag. Mm-hmm. And then he'll build a whole concept of a movie or a TV series around that gag. It's so Joss Whedon, which is fun. Joss Whedon. It's fun. I'm Randall Sylvie. Is that what we're And you're not. Um, are we ending it? Oh, yeah. Jasper, are we, are we f- ending this? We're done. <laughs> All right. I'm Randall Sylvie. You can follow me on Twitter at Randall Sylvie. Oh, guess what? I'll spell it. It's R-A-N-D-A-L-S-I-L-V-E-Y. Or... You can follow the show at Grolix Podcast, G-R-A-W-L-I-X Podcast. Hit us up at GrolixPodcast.com, RandallSylvie.com, Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network at ElectronicMediaCollective.com, Facebook.com slash Grolix Podcast, Instagram.com slash Grolix Podcast, Twitter.com slash Grolix Podcast, GrolixPodcast.tumblr.com. YouTube.com slash Grolix Podcast. Oh Feeds.feedburner.com slash Grolix Podcast. <laughs> We're leaving all this in. 
How about you, Jasper? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is Jasper. You can catch me at only two places. Oh. Uh, <laughs> That's all? <laughs> so you don't have all these? <laughs> um, my Twitter handle is at NinjaMonkeyLife, which we have now corrected. It's it, Oh, yeah, it was misspelled, right? Yeah, it was misspelled. <laughs> okay. It is at N-I-N-J-A-M-U-N-K-3-Y, live, mm-hmm. not live. Life. Okay, fine. Don't want to misspell that. Or Instagram at Ninja Monkey Life. Okay. Great. <laughs> I feel good about that. <laughs> I hope you leave that old list in. I'm gonna leave. I will. I will. You haven't. You haven't listened to it yet. But maybe I'll make you listen to it after this. But the end of the last episode, where we looked up JasperKnight.com, and I said I was just gonna loop the synth music for a long time and leave the whole thing in. I did. It goes on for almost, it's, it's all like four minutes of us just looking up this jasperknight.com while that little synth loop plays <laughs> before yes. finally going to the music. Yeah. Oh my God. I don't know if anybody's going to listen, like make it through all that, but it's there. I like stuff like that. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. Cinev- this has been Cinevapic. No, I was just going to say that the Joss Whedon thing, there was recent controversy because maybe he didn't ask for it and maybe it's just because he created Buffy and stuff, but he's, it was always kind of heralded as like a, a, you know, a male feminist, a feminist, like uh, some type of feminist hero. Mm-hmm. But then like him and his ex-wife, wife, ex-wife split up or something and she like... There's reports that she had said a bunch of stuff about how he's he's actually kind of a the typical male sexist pig and a and a adulterer and all this all this stuff. Yeah. So then a lot of his fan base who was on board with him because of his feminist feminist views, they kind of like rejected him and stuff. And I think that might have led that might have been I could be wrong, maybe I missed something, but that might have led to him not getting the Batgirl job. He was supposed to have something to do with the Batgirl movie mm-hmm. or Batwoman. I thought it was Batgirl and that's not going to happen now. So I don't know, but it doesn't matter. Whatever. We don't have to get into all that. <laughs> well, so he's a piece of crap. If, if in that case, he's a piece of crap. Guess what? Surprise. But as far as I know, and I could be wrong, there's no allegations of like a sexual assault or anything like so, like, he was a piece of crap in his marriage. Not great. That's not good. But there's no sexual assault allegations like there are for a lot of these guys that you heard of during the whole, like, during the Me Too thing and all that. Like, a lot of the guys that lost jobs, a lot of them did horrible things. They either assaulted or sexually harassed people, like, blatantly. And I could be wrong, but as far as I know, that's not the case with Joss Whedon. Um, so he's just kind of a crappy dude. So I can st- I can still like his stuff. That's not gonna for me. That's not gonna distract detract from his previous work. And generally, I like his stuff in general. So I'm gonna keep keep checking out his stuff.